Welcome. It is uh, 10.07. At 10.35, Jennifer Bukowski is going to be on board. Uh, She's going to talk about Governor Newsom out in California vetoing a bill uh, banning caste discrimination. What? Uh, Drug cartels using social media to get American teenagers to help smuggle illegal aliens. And tiny homes. Have you seen those TV shows, Brian, with these people building these tiny little homes? I have, yes. It's like... You know, maybe as a guest house in my backyard, but uh, that's about the extent of it. Uh, anyway, we'll get into that and the hostage crisis uh, that's unfolding in Israel. That'll be at 1035. We'll find out what uh, what her take is on that. In the meantime, I hate flying. I, I do. I hate flying. I've got a, a couple of friends who have uh, private uh, aircraft, private jets. And I've taken trips across country with them, and it's fabulous. Uh, it's almost like flying used to be. You, you drive up to the airport, you get out of the car, uh, you check your baggage, uh, you walk up to the plane, and, and you go. That's how it used to be. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you have no idea how easy it used to be to fly. Well... There are a couple of alternatives. You could buy your own jet if you got about a cool 20 mil hanging around. Um, but if you, you can't do that, you can always charter a private plane, and then you don't have to go through all that security nonsense. But there is a third way, and I hadn't heard about this before, but there is an airline out there, because the, the way the, the rules are written for a commercial uh, air travel... If you have few enough people on the plane, then you don't have to go through all that, the long line and go through the security thing. Uh, Commercial jets that fly out of major airports uh, are just really, it's it's challenging. You've got to go through all that, have them fondle your underwear and everything else. But there are better ways... Oops, excuse me. I, you know, I should know better. Uh, there are better ways to travel, and one of them is with an airline that apparently, and it's called JSX. They fly smaller planes that look like private jets out of smaller private terminals, and uh, and, and they can get you to Burbank, California, Las Vegas, Dallas, Florida, uh, all over the place. The smaller terminals, uh, passengers walk right out to the tarmac, get on the plane. They don't have to go through TSA. Um, in fact, uh, this little airline, uh, JSX, checks passengers against the TSA pre-check database ahead of time so that travelers can just show up as little as 20 minutes before they uh, have to depart. We, of course, are always told, you know, an hour or two before so you can get through all of this. Passengers on flights that require TSA checkpoints uh, pay for pay for the for that with a per ticket fee. JSX, this airline, uh, they run from three to eight hundred bucks for tickets, uh, which is not entirely out of class for a first class a first class ticket on a commercial airliner. This is great. So, what's the deal? Well, apparently. They're headquartered down in Dallas, according to Reason Magazine. And Southwest Airlines and American Airlines want to drive them out of business. They hate this uh, 
competition. Turns out there are some rules that that don't apply to planes that have uh, you know fewer passengers, and that's how they're able to to operate. They don't like that JSX, uh, this airline, is exempted from regulations like the 1,500-hour rule uh, that says pilots and co-pilots have to have at least as many hours of flight experience before they can fly commercially. But actually, JSX has 30,000-hour captains uh, who are mentoring uh, sub-1,500-hour co-pilots. So they're, they're, they're just as safe. They just they they literally had to remove a couple of seats on these jets in order to make in order to fit this uh, exclusion in the regulations. That's the free market at work, baby. That's the way it's supposed to happen. These uh, these airlines are are now uh, this airline is now they're going to challenge them and try to. They're going to try to drive them out of business because they can't stand the competition. Who's in the way here? Big government. Big government. Rather than big commercial flights uh, flying out of major airports, JSX flies smaller planes that look like private jets out of smaller private terminals. Uh, most flights, uh, they, like Burbank to Las Vegas, Last uh, only a couple of hours, uh, though they also will fly from, say, Miami to New York. I looked at their website. Uh, they unfortunately do not fly into Columbia, and I don't think they fly into Springfield. But they are looking for other airports where they can fly. And I think we got to push for that. What a great way to fly. Just, it, it just... Getting around the government regulations. It's exciting. They, they, uh, they get around this. Flights with 30 or fewer passenger seats are classified as public charters. They aren't subject to the same rules. Uh, the carrier won FAA approval to operate a, a, as a public charter back in 2016. They originally had like 37-seat uh, passenger uh, jets. Uh, they removed seven seats. Meeting the FAA maximum uh, and giving passengers extra legroom so you're even more comfortable. And they got drinks and snacks and Wi-Fi and check bags. God, it would be great if the government would get out of this, the regulating of airlines. It'd be so much better if it was just run by the private marketplace. Uh, let me go to uh, Tyler on airlines. Tyler, good morning. Gary, you're getting all rankled for nothing. Don't you know that Punxsutawney Phil look alike? Pete Buttigieg can fix all this. <laughs> yeah, sure he can. The guy who who rides in an SUV till he's a block from the Capitol and then gets out and uh, puts his bike on the ground and pedals in like he's been biking all the way in. That, yeah, you mean that like phony? Yeah, that phony. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Wouldn't it be Thanks. great to, to fly that? Wouldn't it be great if we get that airline into Columbia? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that in the beef business in the 70s, there was a guy going to have his own beef pack, pack packing plant, and the big three made sure they didn't get it done. He was selling hormone-free beef, and they injected some hormone-injected cattle into his food chain. And he, I'm not certain he didn't go to prison, but it was Jorgensen in South Dakota. 
Just get the government out of my life. I don't need them. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks, Tyler. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, it's, It's JSX Airline. Look them up on the World Wide Web. Uh, it'd be great if we can get them into Springfield and, and Columbia. It would just, it, it, would, it would just, it would be great. That's all I can tell you. Government doesn't need to regulate all this. September 11th is not an excuse for the overregulation that we put up with. Uh, you can't, you can't bring a bottle of aftershave with you. Know what? It, it, you know that I, I'm vaping uh, all the time. And you got to refill the vape device. I can't, on my carry-on, put a bottle of uh, nicotine, you know, the, the, the e-juice, in my, uh, in my bag because it violates the rules. Uh, this overregulation is just killing us at every, every turn. There's another case of overregulating, and we've seen it here in Missouri. And it has to do with charity. I'll give you the details on that next. On the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 20 minutes after 10 o'clock. More big government. And we've seen this here in Missouri. Uh, In fact, uh, Reason Magazine highlights this. Uh, There's this guy down in Houston. His name is Philip Picone. And he's an activist. And he is charged with the crime of feeding the needy. Uh, several activists affiliated with a, a group called uh, Food Not Bombs. Uh, they're a volunteer group. They, they're all over the world. Um, and they feed homeless people. Uh, Houston police repeatedly give them tickets uh, for distributing free food. Uh, in fact, they have $11,430 in fines because they keep feeding the poor. How dare they? There, this legal farce is that uh, this is somehow dangerous. And, and it has to be stopped. Why We just can't have people feeding the poor. And, and they're literally going after these good Samaritans, giving them tickets, destroying the food. They've done this in Tampa, Florida, in Orlando, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, Newark, uh, Las Vegas, uh, Philadelphia, Charlotte, Kansas City, St. Louis. In Kansas City, they poured bleach on the food that they were trying to give to the homeless. That was in 2018. Our own Dave Rowland went to battle uh, for these groups in St. Louis. Earlier this year, Houston... Uh, designated a specific area, just one place, a parking, a police parking lot next to the city jail. Uh, it just so happens uh, for homeless uh, services. But this charitable group and other groups had been operating outside of that area, and they didn't like it. So they they brought this guy into court. They literally, they're, they're using the legal system to crush the generosity and kindness of these, of these uh, fine folks. So he went to jail, they, he went to, uh, to court, this uh, Picone, and the jury found him not guilty. 
And he's, he's actually going to go for a federal civil rights lawsuit against the city of Houston. Says the city violated his free speech and religious rights. This guy and this group of people are just good Samaritans. And this argument that somehow this is a danger to these people who might be dumpster diving were it not for them providing this food is ludicrous. It's absolute insanity. But we have this big government that is involved in everything in our lives, including helping the poor. And, you know, the interesting thing is that if these people don't get food, if they don't get fed, then we have to have this government program to feed them. Why, a private charity can't fill that void? Of course not, because you won't let them. So you would think then that the city of Houston and these other cities would say, oh, all right, you know, we've lost in court. Go ahead. But no, they vow to keep fighting these good Samaritans. People don't understand just how effective private charity is over government handouts. And I, and I don't care if it's, it's, if it's health care or feeding them or housing them uh, or getting them warm clothes. Private charity does a much better job for a lot less money. But the government doesn't want that. That's competing with the government. And so they prosecute and persecute. Can you imagine those people in Kansas City go to all that time and trouble to make that food and bring it out to feed these, these uh, homeless people. And the city has the hubris to go out there with bleach and pour it on the food. Well, they so had to. So it's inedible? They had to, Brian? Yes. Well, why? Well, because, because you're, you're too stupid. stupid. Yeah. Let them dumpster dive. That's a much, much safer alternative. <laughs> God, these... The, the government is so damned invasive... It just, they just make a mess of everything they touch. Education, health care, feeding the poor, uh, you name it. They screw it up. It's just, it's just what they do. <sighs> I don't know, that just, that story just frustrates the hell out of me. Uh, and it, when it happened in Kansas City and in St. Louis, it made me crazy. It made me absolutely crazy. Uh, we've got uh, a story from the Epic Times that I find frustrating. It should be a Froster Buns Friday kind of thing. Uh, and a great piece in the Wall Street Journal about an economist who explains the wage gap uh, between uh, men and women. And apparently uh, she's getting a Nobel Prize for her work. We keep hearing that women are just underpaid. They're, they're not getting paid the same. Even if they have the same education level as men, they're, they're underpaid. Well, it turns out that first, the, uh, the gap has been shrinking. And it has nothing to do with any government regulation. It's just that, uh, you know, uh, women who have children will take an hour, a year out of their, uh, uh, their career. And that hurts their, their pay. Uh, she wrote a, a piece in 2000 uh, about this, and, and 
how more and more women are getting into the labor force, more and more women are getting the right education, uh, how the earnings level keeps keeps closing uh, and gets better and better for women. It's not it's not that that uh, companies are keeping women you know down. It's not like corporations are putting their foot on their neck. No, we don't want these a glass ceiling. How many times you've heard glass ceiling? It's Bravo Sierra. There are all kinds of things that happen that make a difference. Uh, one of them is having children. And in spite of what the left thinks, most women, when they give birth, want to spend time with their children. Call me a sexist, call me old-fashioned, but I think it's genetic. Probably going to upset a lot of progressives listening right now. But that hurts them in the overall comparison of pay scale. But women, I think, are genetically predisposed to want to hold and nurture that child. I think women are better at nurturing. I always have. I think women are better at nurturing than men. I don't know if it's, if it's environmental or it's hereditary. I, I think it's hereditary. I can't be sure. But I think that's the case. A major reason for employment growth among women since 1960 uh, was the introduction of the birth control pill. It freed them, uh, and, and they went to work. Got better educations. Closed the, the money gap. And they continue to close the money gap. The change led to young women getting more formal education. By 20, uh, 2005, women made up half or almost half of first-year students in professional programs like law, medicine, and dentistry. It was natural that earnings would follow and that wage gaps uh, would fall. It's, it's not because we don't want women to succeed. It's not because we're trying to keep them out of the boardroom it's decisions that they make along the line that affect their careers and affect the amount of money they make. So the next time you hear some progressive pointing to a statistic and, and then concluding from that statistic that it's just because they're women, now you know. It's not. It's their education. It's the choices they make. It's, it, it, you, you can't raise children in an executive world without making some sacrifices. And that's what a lot of these women do. Left don't like that. They want some government law insisting that we have parity in pay. No, the marketplace will take care of that. What, you know, more women would be in these roles. Um, you know, what guy wouldn't, you know, what corporation wouldn't want successful, smart women in executive positions, especially if they could pay them less. Well, you should see men in the unemployment line all over the place. There is no no sexism when it comes to making money. It just it's just nonsense. So uh, the work that she has done as Claudia Golden really good. Explains a lot. Jennifer Bukowski is going to explain a lot too. She's up next on the Gary Nolan Show.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 1035. Glad to have you with us on the Gary Nolan Show. And, of course, Jennifer Bukowski on this, uh, well, this is the time she's always in. Now we're going to find out what's on her mind. Message from Kim. I find it quite interesting that liberals, specifically the members of the squad, are coming to the defense of Hamas. I wonder if they approve of the treatment that homosexuals, trans people, and women in general receive at the hands of Hamas. Seems a bit hypocritical, doesn't it? Yeah, Kim, it does. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Gary. Doing well. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at uh, some topics here. Uh, the hostage crisis uh, in Israel. This is going to get uglier before it gets better. Oh, certainly. I don't think Israel has any choice but to strike back hard. And, you know, you can't teach them a lesson with these hostages that this is going to be successful because these people live right next door. And if they can get the release of their people from prison or whatever they want by kidnapping some Israelis, you're just going to encourage them to kidnap more. And indeed, that might be the case because I'm reading in the Wall Street Journal that in 2011, militants in Gaza released Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit after more than five years in captivity. He was freed in a swap for 1,027 Palestinians, including a senior Hamas leader in Gaza, Yaha Sinwar. So I don't know what they're going to do, but... I, I think, think, you know, it, if you don't want to encourage this behavior, you've got to just go and eradicate the Hamas guys that conducted this atrocious, atrocious attack. And just bear in mind that the hostages might end up not surviving it. It would be called collateral damage. And I know that uh, they would do the best they can not to have that happen. But I think it is almost inevitable. But I'll tell you, and I explained this to listeners this morning. There is a method to their madness here. Uh, you, you would think on the face of it that these uh, radical Islamists are, are just going to lose and that this is a foolish move. They, they have no way of winning. But actually, what they want is for Israel to come after them. I agree, yes. And then they'll paint Israel, and, and people in the West are going to do it. They'll, they'll paint Israel as over, you know, they're doing too much, they're going too far, they need to draw back, they're killing innocent people. I mean, they were already doing it before the blood was cold in the bodies of the people that were killed and raped and everything else this weekend. They were saying, hold back, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you fire. You don't tell someone to cease fire when there are dudes running away that just raped and killed, killed children and everything else. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you pull back the 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 radical <laughs> uh, uh, Islamists. Yeah, did anyone ever? Yeah, it, yeah it's uh, unbelievable. The, the concern is to me seeing these protests. It's completely anti-Semitic protests in London, in New York, in Canada, all these places where you've got a lot of immigration from Muslim populations. And I, I would love to see some Muslims that have immigrated that would counter-protest this. Because, you know, if there's anything that wants me to think that Trump is right for the travel ban, you know, uh, this is it. Well, 
if if you if you pay the blackmail to get hostages back, and this is a lesson for us uh, as well as any other country, all you're doing is inviting more of the same. Right. If it's profitable, then we'll do it again. Stop paying. I don't want to see innocent people locked up in prison for the rest of their lives or maimed or murdered because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But if you if you acquiesce to these demands, then you're just inviting more of the same. Right. You got to think not just about this battle, but winning future battles instead. And so you just need to cripple them and ma- and just eliminate them so that they can never attack again. Period. You know, but. That's the thing they're just counting on. Well, half of our population is children, which means they're going to be all military age within five minutes, you know. And so they want to create, they think that they can create more terrorists by uh, Israel striking back. But if you don't strike back with a vengeance. And they want to derail all of these Arab countries from continuing uh, their connection with Israel. Uh, Saudi Arabia is the latest one. And I think it terrifies Iran. They're being uh, isolated uh, as more and more countries come to their senses. I think so. And, you know, Iran is having their own internal problems, as I've brought up on the show a number of times, after the death of Maha Amini uh, for having a string of her hair showing, and they beat her to death for it. They've been having all kinds of protests calling for the death of Khamenei, for women and life and freedom. Women that don't want to leave, live and men protesting alongside them saying they don't want to be in this theocracy that's completely repressive anymore. And they want to overthrow their dictator. And it is notable that at the soccer game, they tried to put up the Palestinian flag and the Iranian people. And this is a country where you can be, you know, threats to and are carried out against your life and limb if you protest, right? They're booing in public on camera when they're trying to bring up that Palestinian flag to say, look, we don't want any part of this, and they don't like that they're being dragged into this and that the, this is what their leaders are doing. So that just, was encouraging. We just turned the radio on. Jennifer Bukowski is with us. Uh, she uh, is just uh, constantly connected to uh, what's going on in the state of Missouri and around the country. We're talking about this uh, hostage crisis. Uh, what do you think of the odds that this uh, ends up with a war with Iran uh, against Israel? I mean, that's the thing about proxy wars, Gary, and we're no one to talk when it comes to carrying out proxy wars. We're doing yeah. one right now. Uh, but I think if you don't get rid of that Khamenei in enough time, somebody's going to be at war with Iran. It might be us. It might be Israel. And uh, we cannot have this Iran deal and let them get a nuclear weapon because they are just too unstable and violent of a country to be trusted with that kind of technology. Well, should we militarily get involved? Right now? No, I don't think so. I think Israel can handle itself, but in the future, if they do escalate, if Khamenei is just like you know Putin, we worry about him. If he's really pushed to the edge, what will he do and will the people around him still obey his orders. Same with Khamenei, and the supreme leader of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, that's where, he, when they're cornered, that's where you have to worry the most as to how they'll try to strike back to save themselves. Part of me thinks that's what they want. They want Israel to strike. 
against Iran in hopes of turning this all around. Uh, I don't think Israel will strike against Iran, but I I do think that they might wipe out Hamas. I mean, there's been some calls to just make Gaza a parking lot, and I don't know if it's that simple because I don't know if uh, Egypt or whoever will take the civilians in, you know, if you can't, there's just a huge amount of population, people own buildings there or whatever. So I don't know if that's tenable or not, but I certainly would be tempting at this point. I mean, this is just, they're saying it's the worst crime against Jews since the Holocaust. Let's uh, let's bring it a little closer to home um, and talk about uh, President Biden uh, and his classified documents. Uh, I'm saying uh, if if you're suicidal, hold your breath until charges are are, uh, filed. I don't think they're going to file any charges against Biden for having classified documents scattered all over the house. It took me a minute to see what the heck you're talking about. Okay, I'm with you now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, apparently as all this is going on, as Biden is calling a lid at like noon yesterday, uh, according to the New York Times, the special counsel, Benjamin K. Herr, conducted interviews of Biden. He's meticulously interviewing everyone to figure out how the classified documents ended up in numerous places, including a garage uh, at Biden's house in Delaware. Um, So I don't know that any charges will come out of this, but it is interesting that they are so thoroughly investigating it and did indeed interview for two days the president. And it is notable to me, and it's been pointed out, I'm sure um, it's been pointed out many times that President Biden didn't have any power to declassify anything or, you know, that president. of Not when he was a senator, no. So a senator, yeah, or vice president either. So Uh, actually, he he did have some uh, authority for uh, caring to classify documents uh, as vice president, but not as a senator. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, different from the information that I've been hearing, but I haven't independently researched that as a legal matter. Hmm. So we'll have to see. Lots to see uh, how this ends up painting out, but it's interesting as all this Israel stuff is happening and everything else, these interviews have been long scheduled, and they are asking different people. And that was, you know, a security risk to have documents like that sitting in a garage. Oh, they were but safe. I'm they were claiming it wasn't intentional. Yeah, and they were safe. They were next to his Corvette. Yeah. See, that, yeah. that was like a, a little bait and switch. Uh, some yeah. terrorists want to find out if there's uh, top secret information. They break into the garage. They see the Corvette and they go, wow. And instead they steal it. Oh, yeah. Or they could just go over to drop off Hunter's next crack and uh, <laughs> rifle through some papers on the way there. You know, yeah. Hunter is a grown man who seems to live in the White House and live with his dad off and on all the time. And so who knows what kind of characters have had access to any number of Biden's papers is for financial papers is classified documents he shouldn't have everything else like who knows what kind of characters have been rifling through Biden's belongings I don't understand Hunter including Biden including characters that are posing as drug dealers that are actually working for other countries who knows I don't understand how Biden Hunter Biden could be worth you know raking in tens of millions of dollars and still has to live with his dad I, that, that's a lot of money to burn through and and be yeah. homeless. I don't know. It just strikes me as strange. Well, By this the way, way, he gets security detail. He gets all kinds of perks and privileges and chefs and everything else. 
All right, I'm up against the clock. Got to take a quick break. Jennifer Bukowski is on board with us this morning. Special counsel, we've talked about that. Biden picked U.S. attorney. Biden picked U.S. attorney admits balking the Hunter Biden case. No way to get up to speed on everything. Oh. That's next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. All right, it is uh, 10.52. I just got a message. Jennifer Bukowski is with us, and uh, she's a criminal defense attorney and a brilliant one at that, with her finger on the pulse of what goes on both in Colombia and around the world. I got a message from Keith. He said, I think you need to clarify that statement. It It could definitely be misconstrued. As vice president, I didn't was allowed to have classified materials. He did not have the power to declassify. Uh, he's allowed to have classified materials, but cannot declassify. I, it, uh, maybe I didn't make that clear, and that's perhaps the distinction that uh, needs to be made. Uh, Jennifer, this... Oh, yeah, that's what... Yeah, you said that. You said he had the power to declassify, or that's what I thought you said. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. He okay. had the power to... He could take declassified stuff, yeah. 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 Uh, Biden picked U.S. attorney, admits... Balking at the Hunter Biden case. What? Yeah, all these other bigger stories keep getting in the way of progress being made on the front of investigating the Bidens. But Biden's handpicked federal prosecutor in D.C., so his appointee in D.C., confirmed to Congress last week that he wouldn't part. He wouldn't partner with his counterpart in Delaware to bring charges against the first son, Hunter Biden. He doesn't need to. Because then you have multiple chains of command and that I can understand that, but that would be frustrating. But he made that excuse to the House Judiciary Committee, but in his deposition, he broadly confirmed the claims of the two IRS whistleblowers who said in dramatic public testimony this summer that Biden appointees in the Justice Department nearly scuttled charges against the president's child, child, grown Hunter Biden. So this is in the New York Post. So this is a Biden appointee who went in there under oath and confirmed those IRS whistleblowers said the non-political career, you know, prosecutors that were IRS whistleblowers or investigators and uh, attorneys. So I think that is remarkable that you have people like that confirming, yes, they tried to scuttle it. Now you still have Weiss in charge of it. And I don't really blame this Graves guy for not wanting to be co-prosecutors with them because then, uh, yeah, it makes everything overly complex. Who are you calling as your witnesses? Are you going to trial? Are you making offers? You know, it just overly complicates things. Unless you're, like, at trial and then ready to feed the first share and take the lead or whatever, it doesn't make sense to have too many cooks in the kitchen. But I think it's really interesting that he confirmed those whistleblowers. Is is there any connection to uh, President Biden? I mean, can you can you say, you know, Biden is the one who kind of you know protected his son through the Justice Department? That's the thing, Gary. It's it's going to. I mean, they aren't overly brilliant, but I think they're going to be smart enough to have direct. You know, maybe we don't know with that laptop we found on there. It's just amazing. It really makes me think it's possible to find direct evidence. I mean, you have Hunter implicating his dad on that laptop, but why else would they do it? It's like one of these, if there's smoke, there's fire kind of things. If you go to bed at night and there's no snow and you wake up in the morning and there's snow on the ground, that you're not a direct witness to the snow, but chances are it snowed. 
Like, why else would they be doing such favors and trying to scuttle charges but to curry favor with Biden? I mean, it is possible, I'll put my defense attorney hat on, that they don't want to do the damage to their careers that bringing such charges would do, and they figure that Biden would retaliate and he wasn't directly involved. But this aspect, I I think it's much less on, that's more likely to me than Biden not having any, you know, influence on this money peddling scheme that the Biden family was involved with, with getting money from foreign powers, that people that are in government jobs would of their own accord work to try to avoid being the one to bring the charges. That's more possible to me than Biden not being directly in some way involved with the money. Let me ask you this about the Hunter Biden guns uh, case. If you were defending Hunter Biden, if you had to go to court, would you not rely on the Bruin decision? I would 100% rely on the Bruin decision. And that's the great irony here. It's just, you know, the uh, Democrats, which I presume Biden, Hunter Biden is one, for years have been rallying against, you know, all of the jurisprudence and teller uh, and the Second Amendment and trying to put the kibosh on our gun rights. And, uh, that might be one of his strongest defenses here is there was no like equivalent restriction on the right to keep and bear arms at the time of the founding of the country. There was no restriction saying sobriety was a, a requisite for that. So under the Bruin decision, uh, that would certainly be one of the first things that I'd be preparing to get the charges dismissed on and if then appealing feel, on. If you fill out the next check, Jennifer, you're swearing under oath that all that information is true. So even if the Knicks check shouldn't have been necessary, could they not still charge him with perjury? Well, they've charged him two different ways for it, and I don't like that they do this for for signing that. It's like making a false statement and like making people who have to carry, like compile these records having false records. Um, so it is a slightly different crime because he's broken it, unlike like the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, unfortunately just denied the appeal of a woman and hopefully this goes to the Missouri Supreme Court. She's a single mother who had a bad check felony from years ago now has turned her life around and wants to be able to defend her family. She sued to try to get her gun rights before she went and illegally had a gun. You know? Uh, that we know about anyways. If I were yeah, but, her, but if, if the next check turns out to be unconstitutional, and I frankly think it is under Bruin, then uh, he might still be in trouble because it was still the law. Because he's because he, he committed perjury. He he made a right. sworn statement. Yeah. So, so he it wouldn't still be necessarily get him out of trouble. I mean, what I would all honestly right. do here right. is what they hey, did do, which is hang on, do. hang on to that thought because we're up against the break and we're going to come back and talk about that and federal prison censoring and an online magazine. Why? You'll be surprised. This is the Gary Nolan Show.